welcome back to Property Matters on Dublin South FM and on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on social media at iProperty Radio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Uh, joining us this week is John McCartney, head, uh, or sorry, Director and Head of Research at BNP Baribas uh, Real Estate Ireland. And of course, a returning guest to the show. We rely on John to keep us up to date on many facets of the market. Uh, John, welcome back and Happy New Year to you. Likewise to you, Carol, and thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, I'm delighted because, you know, coming into the new year, it's always an interesting time to reflect on the 12 months that have passed and maybe to look and see what kind of trends can we expect for the 12 months ahead of us. Um, and certainly in almost two decades in the market, including the time of the crash, I mean, certainly in the last decade, uh, they the different uh the market you know when we talk about different markets converging uh, and for and different influences and, and factors converging to influence the market i just can't remember a more confused time um is that is is that a fair reading of the situation well there there's there's a lot going on carol and i find in, in my own mind at least it helps to try and think uh, to it helps me to try and think of things by separating out the structural and the cyclical, you know? And if, if we take, for example, the Dublin office market, there are clearly uh, structural issues at play. So we have this um, legacy of COVID, which is the, um, you know, that mass transition to remote working and now the a gradual unwinding of that and there is I think an open question as to whether there has been a permanent behavior shift um, and if so to what extent will will um, you know service sector employees come back to work in the in the office on a on a sort of a, a, a full-time or semi-full-time basis so that's clearly a structural issue and then equally we have um, we have very pronounced cyclical issues, I think, are quite pronounced cyclical issues at the moment. On the supply side, we have had the strongest year for new office development in Dublin since the global financial crisis in 2022. And we'll have a similar amount of new, uh, new development um, completed in 2023. So there's quite uh, a big... Uh, uh, surge in supply of new office space and that's really the lagged effect of business decisions that were taken probably four or five years ago before COVID and then on the demand side you are also experiencing a cyclical uh, factor and that of course is the slowdown in the global economy and I suppose particularly uh, in, in, in the tech sector. So there, there, there are many things happening, but I, I do think we can we can classify them, and it helps us to think about it when we do that. Um, I, I that is helpful to break it down, and and you've touched on a couple of things there. We'll return to the structural side in a moment, but on the cyclical side, in terms of supply and demand, first of all, you know, you you touched on the what we're seeing globally, particularly as, as it pertains to the tech industry, um. On the surface, it would seem that Ireland would be quite vulnerable to that. What what are we seeing in reality? Well, I think so. Yeah. So um, I, I suppose to put numbers on it, um, between 2017 and 2021, inclusive um, ICT uh, accounted for 
just a fraction under 50% of all of the gross leasing uh, of office space in Dublin. Um, and then uh, if we move into 2022, we see the figure is sharply lower. It's about 23%. Uh, so that does reflect, I think, um, a, particular, a particular sectoral issue in, 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 in the tech industry. Um, and I, I suppose a number of questions arise uh, from that. Firstly, um, is this likely to be sustained? In other words, is, is tech, you know, um, going to step away from office leasing in Dublin um, for the next 12, 18, 24 months? My sense of it is probably not really, um, you know, uh, so I, I think there is a strong sense that these tech firms had recruited uh, in, in anticipation of um, growing their own businesses and uh, the, the slowdown in the global economy meant that their ability to grow their businesses was slower than anticipated and they front loaded with employment and therefore you know some of them are uh, reducing their headcount others are freezing their headcounts and others are still re recruiting um, but at a slower pace and I think that will continue as long as the glo global economy is, you, you know, uh, in, in this sort of slower phase. But we do, at this stage, understand that business cycles come and go. That's the nature of cycles and it won't last forever. And technology is certainly not a genie that's going to go back into its bottle. We, 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 we know that. So I would expect that uh, as we go through the business cycle and it bottoms out and then begins to pick up again, that um, Dublin will continue to be a focus for tech companies and that the office leasing market will, will benefit from that. We'll see an increased share of, of, of tech within the, the take-up flow in, in future. In the interim, I think what is sort of in, interesting from a nostalgic point of view really is that we're, we're in a way we're going back to, um, we're going back to where, where we were. I mean, when, when I started in the industry, um, you know, the big takers of office space around town were professional services firms, the big solicitors and accountants and so forth, uh, the public sector, and then the domestic banks. And, you know, we see all of those um, uh, sectors uh, have actually stepped up their office leasing quite sharply in 2022. And it's, it's interesting that actually, um, if you look at all, all other sectors, excluding tech, uh, take up is back up to where it was before COVID um, and is, is the laggard. But as I say, um, you know, I would expect the tech will also pick up, but it's, 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 it's just going to be a while because of the front loading of employment and the unwinding of that. Um, John, that's a very careful choice of words there, but I, you know, nostalgia, the property market is the one place where you don't want to hear the word nostalgia um, because it can really be translated into, in some cases, a backward step um, in one way. And I understand there might be uh, maybe a, a, a balancing or not a correction, but certainly a balancing of supply and demand that's happening. Um, but just before we leave the issue of uh, office space, you know, generally we we talk in terms of supply and demand. The rhetoric uh, and the commentary seems to have changed in the most recent month or two. 
to gray space, which was never really a conversation outside of the industry. So you might just talk our listeners through that and why it's particularly important to that we that we are paying attention to that at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely, Carol. And I suppose just to bottom out on on the the sectoral distribution, sectoral distribution of, of leasing activity, I suppose um that whatever whatever emotions the the word nostalgia provokes in us um the the, the point I, I was really trying to make was that look what we and we're lucky to have it we have uh, a number of sectors um and and despite the perception and i think it was an, an accurate perception that tech was dominant in recent years there has always been uh, an, a good balanced distribution of um, office demand below that or outside of tech, and that's now coming to the fore, and I think that'll, that will serve us well in the future. In terms of the supply-demand balance, so we're still sharpening our pencil and finalising our numbers for office completions for 2022, but it'll be somewhere in around 220 or 230,000 square metres. And, the, you know, the question really arises is, how much take up do you need to absorb 230,000 square meters of net additional space? And the answer I think is uh, a figure that's somewhere well north of 230,000 because of course, we know that some of the people that are taking up space are moving within the market and they're vacating space and leaving empty space behind. So if you, for example, as an occupier, move buildings and you vacate a 5,000 square meter building to take a 10,000 square meter building, then the take-up figure that agents know and love uh, is, is recorded as 10,000 square meters, but net absorption is only 5,000 square meters. That is the increase in overall occupied space. So we have to think uh, very carefully, I think, about um, how we um, measure office demand and I think net absorption is the critical um, measure because uh, for a given level of new supply the higher your net absorption the rate at which that space is occupied uh, the, the the lower will be your vacancy rate and your vacancy rate is ultimately what drives rents and rents drive value so um, so we do have to think about churn that is the movement within the market. And we also have to think, as you say, Carol, about gray space or sublease designed space. And if we go back and look at some of the bigger deals in 2022, you know, we, 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 we do, I think, quickly see that uh, there was quite a lot of churn. Some of the bigger deals, I'm thinking A&L Goodbody, for example, has gone through a sort of, uh, you know, quite a complicated uh, arrangement in moving out of its building and taking an, a nearby building and then the existing building will be refurbed and it's going to move back into that. And that's going to generate quite a significant amount of uh, office leasing in a gross sense. But when you net it all out, it's, it's only a relatively small increase in occupied space when everything washes through. So that was one of the biggest um, deals of the year. So that's an example of churn. And then if we, um, if, if, if we think about gray space again, uh, we have a very good example at 28 Fitzwilliam, Fitzwilliam there. So, you know, you have this company Slack that had 
pre-let the space and then Slack was bought by Salesforce and then Salesforce said, well, don't worry, we've got room in our building in Spencer Dock. And so it became available um, under assignment. And that, that now has added, um, you know, from memory about 12,500 square meters to the take up figure for 2022, but it doesn't add an iota to leased space or occupied space, at least financially occupied space because it was already, it was all, already let. So my take on it really, uh, Carol, is that, um, you know, you probably need well over 400,000 square meters of take up in order to absorb 220 or 230,000 square meters of net additional space. And are we going to get that in 2023? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so what does it all mean? It means that the vacancy rate, uh, which has already picked up, you know, uh, quite an amount uh, since pre-COVID, I think the vacancy rate is going to um, continue to pick up. But the real important thing here is to recognise that there isn't the uh, potential for the vacancy rate to rise catastrophically as it did way back during the GFC, for example. And the simple reason for that is that there just isn't the, the same pipeline of office space under completion. As I say, we had a, a relatively big year in 2022. It'll be something similar, we think, in 2023, but then the pipeline tapers off quite sharply. And I suppose the reason why we don't have that big pipeline and this this time around really reflects the way that development is funded you know if we go back to the bad old days and there was just so much uh, bank bank funding um that 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 those days are gone and uh, you know uh, there was much less debt capital uh, available to to do that so there was just fewer speculatively developed schemes and and that's that's why I think that the overhang is is not going to be uh, as great this time or anything anything like it. So there's there's a lot of factors uh, feeding into this, and I fully appreciate and thank thank you for breaking it down because you're right. When we look at supply, we we need to be appreciative of the nuance, and I I understand what you're saying there about maybe net absorption being the correct metric, um, but then I suppose if we break down demand. Uh, uh, into the different nuances then actually we're looking at um there's there's the the square footage demand and then there's demand for certain type that might be you know headquarter type that is of a standard and then suddenly we're getting into a situation where actually a lot of our existing stock was built before 2014 so therefore has uh, legacy issues that you know that might not fit the type of demand so I you know I, I fully appreciate that but that brings us almost to the construction side of it and I know together with your team there at uh, BNP Paribas that you recently issued um, the latest construction PMI so you might just talk our, our listeners through that. Yeah, well, the PMI is a sort of a standard metric that is uh, produced in hundreds of companies, uh, countries, sorry, ac across the world. It's it's uh, uh, the fieldwork is done by S and P Global, um, and they do the fieldwork here for us in Ireland as well. And we use the same methodology all over the world. And it's a simple 
um, survey, I think there's 10 or 11 simple questions. It's administered to about 150 construction firms every month. And the main indicator is based on a very simple question. Uh, in the current month, are you busier, less busier, or more busy than you were a month ago? And that, that, that then forms the basis for the, the index. The index is simply the percentage of firms that are saying they're busier than last month and half of the percentage of firms that are saying they're about the same. And where do we stand now as we kind of start into 2023? Yeah, well, the index stands at 43.2 and anything below 50 uh, indicates uh, that activity is contracting month on month. And I suppose it's probably more informative to look at the trend. You know, if we go back to the start of 2022, the, 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 the year opened very strongly and you had, you know, between January and May, uh, successive months of uh, month of month on month expansion, so quite strong expansion in the sector in that first half, and then from mid year we began to see the opposite. The, the activity levels tapered off, and the year actually finished quite weakly. As I say, anything below fifty denotes uh, contraction, and we're at forty three point two. And the last three months in succession were 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 below fifty. So, so. That has been an issue, uh, and I suppose, you know, wh where, where is it a matter of concern? Well, um, probably not so much in offices, for example, that we've just talked about, you know, because as we've discussed, you know, the, the, you know, uh, the amount that we're building is probably running a little bit ahead at this point of the economy's capacity to absorb it within a single calendar year. So we're, we're probably building enough office space for now. And as a result of that, uh, as I say, office construction is going to taper off after 2023. And that's appropriate and correct because we will have the market, you know, supplied with as much office space as it needs, at least based on a simple quantum, Carol, as you say, there is a nuance to that in terms of the spec of the, the stock. Um, maybe talk about that separately. Um, but then where, where, where are there areas where we would maybe like to see more construction? And of course, residential is one of those areas where people are very keen to see an expansion of output. And probably, I would say, in industrial and logistics property as well, uh, I think, um, you know, the, the, the vacancy rate is very thin in that market. And therefore, we probably would like to see it probably signifies that we should be building more. And there is a pipeline there um, that will sustain us through the remainder of this year and hopefully beyond. Um, I know the last time we spoke, uh, we focused quite a bit on the logistics side and certainly that in the in the early part of 2022 that was gearing up to be the star performer how has that how did that round out 2022 and what are your expectations for the next 12 months yeah well that market as i say is um is really the, the occupier demand for logistics space is really strong now it's often characterized as being driven by e-commerce and i'm not sure uh, that that really is is the driver to my mind the, the driver for logistics space is uh, the consumption of goods. So Ireland isn't a big country for producing stuff. Um, uh, so most of the movement of goods relates to the, the consumption uh, of, of, of goods. Um, and 
you know, what drives the consumption of goods? Well, it's, it's, it's the number of people multiplied by how much they consume. And on the first of those elements, the number of people, uh, according to the latest labour force survey, at least, um, population growth has shot up uh, to uh, 112,000 uh, people per annum. That's in the 12 months to the end of September. So that is just a really, really rapid rate of population growth. And because people need stuff, it follows that um, there's going to be a, a consequential increase in the demand for logistics infrastructure and, and, and the, the logistics property market is just um, feeling the benefits of that. And is this one sector that is vulnerable to our in ever increasing cost of living? Um, well, in, in the sense, Carol, that... Uh, that to people's disposable income, because um, consumerism is, uh, is at quite a high in terms of if the cost of living continues to increase, will people, you know, I mean, will people reduce consumption? And is that like to have an impact? Just I, uh, at the weekend, I know the UK ver is a version of the Sunday Times reported on Amazon clothing um, facilities in in the middle of uh, in the Midlands. So I'm just wondering, is that something that is is likely to happen in Ireland? Well, I I think it's it's very likely that um, as price inflation builds, uh, the people have to trim their expenditure. Um, but does that mean um, a reduction in the physical volume of goods? Because that's what ultimately drives the demand for warehousing space. I'm not so sure. Um, first of all, you have the offset from population growth. So, you know, in a small country with a population of 5.1 million, you now have 112,000 people whose consumption needs have to be serviced uh, through our logistics network that weren't here a year ago. So that's the, the, the first thing. And that somehow, I think, offsets any uh, squeeze on a, a personal consumption expenditure. The other thing is, of course, what we often do when our, our finances are squeezed or we substitute uh, cheaper brands. You know, So instead of going to a designer fashion store to buy a pair of jeans, what we might do is we might go to pennies and, and buy a pair of jeans, but uh, the jeans still have to be warehoused and they still occupy the same physical space, where, whether, whether they're a dear pair or a cheapo pair. So, you know, there's, there's almost a larger conversation that needs to happen there around the circular economy and our, our, um, really quite gross uh, consumerism, but that's, that's a kind of a conversation for an, another day. But I suppose before we finish up, John, um, because I always appreciate the insights you bring um, building on, on the data that, that you're working with there, um, you know, in terms of your own client base, what kind of trends are you, are you talking to them about maybe for 2023? Yeah, well, what, what we're saying really is, look, um, in terms of... Uh, in, in investment 
markets, we do expect it to be a quieter year than in, 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 in previous years. Um, and it's, 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 it's a matter really of looking for the, the, the opportunities uh, that, that exist. Um, often those opportunities will be related, I think, to, um, to demographic growth. So um, it's no secret, and I'm sure many other agencies are, are working on the same basis as well. Um, you know, defensive sectors of retail like grocery, of course, um, that those assets will be chased hard. We've seen a big shift in retail investment into the regions and, um, you know, a lot of um, capital has flown into regional retail in investments because, you know, given the, the, the population growth that's distributed all across the, the country, um, people need stuff um, logistics clearly uh, um, well underpinned uh, by demand for exactly the same reason although it, it has been become quite sharply priced and and and, and um, it has become harder for investors to get that uh, I think um, that in investors will be uh, looking of course always for core office uh, developments in, 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 in Dublin in the best city centre locations. They always want that, but those are becoming hard, harder to buy. We do have a pipeline of development that makes opportunities flow. Um, but that pipeline, as I say, will have, you know, done most of its, uh, its, its work by the end of, of this year, and it'll be retreating somewhat after that. Um, so uh, I suppose the question is, what is the appetite for um, investors to, you know, to, um, to, to buy value add offices that they can seek to reposition? That's made much harder by, um, by, by the increases in construction costs that we've seen in recent years. And again, our C, CPI, in, uh, sorry, um, our PMI index is is really helpful in in that regard you know we've seen very strong increases in uh, construction costs but um that construction price inflation is now clearly receding and coming back to um levels that might make uh, people jump in and and bite the bullet and do those refurbs and i think there will be opportunities there but it'll be it's not every asset that that will be suitable for this and people will be looking at the bones of the building and the floor to ceiling clearance and they'll be looking at the locations very carefully uh, as well so those prs uh, again um it's been hugely popular a, a huge amount of capital has been attracted into it but obviously the increase in interest rates along with construction costs make that just a harder model to um to op operate yeah, it, it, there's a lot there's a lot there uh, to take on board. And I think, you know, we say it seems to be every every year we look at the uncertainties in the marketplace. And this year they seem to be maybe not as uncertain as last year, but perhaps more on, on the negative side that there's definitely a case of portfolio owners looking at at the the I suppose the demands that are there. And how they're changing we still don't know i mean in terms of certainly take it back not just not necessarily logistics but certainly into kind of other areas of the commercial market you know there are still 
uh, behavioral impacts that we don't fully understand post-COVID, um, you know, in terms of the remote work, uh, how that's going to pan out. I think these are issues that are still unfolding. And I think 2023 will be an interesting year to see that. Um, but look, my thanks as always for joining us and for breaking that down. It's always so helpful and I appreciate it. That was John McCartney, Director and Head of Research at BNP Paribas uh, Real Estate in Ireland. We need to take a quick break. Stay tuned.